It's another edition of Baseball and Beyond, and today, Ricky and Keel is my guest. Hello, Rick. What's happening? This is exciting. I feel like we grew up together. Do you remember those days? You were a pitcher in 1999. I was a young reporter, a budding reporter, and we used to see each other out, and now you're an old man with kids here in St. Louis. How are you enjoying everything that's going on with you? You live in Florida. You're doing stuff for Fox. You brought mm-hmm. the family into St. Louis. This is, you've grown up, and I have not. Um, well, there you go. No, it's been great. I mean, you're right. We have known each other since I was a teenager, if you go all the way back to then. And, um, you know, I've always said I, I, St. Louis raised me in a lot of ways. I went from signing, being drafted by the Cardinals as a 17-year-old and, you know, then staying here until I was in my mid-20s. So um, a lot of love being here, but uh, things are going good. As you said, working for Fox, I'm, I've been really enjoying that. And um, being dad, man, moving on in life. When we look back, we know you're going to be writing a book, and the book uh, the book done, or how's that it's going? Close. It's close. Um, we will turn it in here towards the end of August, and then as books go, you know, editing and everything else. So we'll, we'll release it next year at some point. Can't wait to read it, but we'll get a little preview maybe here, maybe some things you talked about. We've talked about these mm-hmm. before. So looking back at, at 1999, the day in Montreal, give me everything that goes through your mind that day. I don't remember when you got called up. I know you pitched in Montreal, but mm-hmm. I can't remember if you got called up here. Give me everything that happens that day because you're down. I don't even know if, if you were in double A at that point still. I was in Memphis in triple A. Okay, I was so in Memphis in triple A. So I got called up. Um, I actually got called up in New York, and uh, you know I got to see a game there, and then we moved on to Montreal. So for me, I, I mean, it's everything that you've ever dreamed of coming true all in one moment. You're on that path that that I always dreamed of being a big leaguer and then, you know, in my mind then was to become the best pitcher that's ever played the game. So here you are in step one of that. Um, you, you know, all the emo- it's hard to describe all the emotions that, that come and go with it, but I just remember as a young kid, um, you don't even feel nerves. You're, it's more excitement, and uh, I can't get to wait, can't wait to get out there and prove that I belong here. Did you – did it come too fast at all? Did you think at all when you look back at – how uh, your career went? Did you go? No, this is how it was supposed to be. I was signed pretty high. I went through the minors, yeah. and it, even at 19, I felt like I had it and was ready to go. No, I thought they should have called me up at 18. <laughs> I think it took too long. No, um, everything. It, it was just. It was how everything was going. You know, I haven't. I hadn't. Uh, I mean, we looked at the way I was progressing as a pitcher and everything that happened that year, especially in '99 season. Um, between '98 and the '99 season, something really clicked for me because when I came into spring training in '99, it was just. You know, as a different pitcher, I felt like I had a lot better control, a lot more understanding of what was going on in pro ball, and I just really matured and grew as a player. So um, for those things to happen, um, you know, it it was hard to hold me back in a way because of the way how good things were going. Uh, We talked about both being young at that point. I may have been a couple years older, but to be 19 and be a major leaguer and be in these big cities and being able to go out and St. Louis should become kind of a hero in, in the town. And what was that like? I mean, was it as fun as it seemed as I was seeing you have? <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. I mean, you're, here I am. Um, I just turned 20 by a month, and, you know, you walk by a bar, and there's guys inviting you in to have a beer. And, you know, where I'm coming from in Florida, that doesn't happen. So I'm thinking, nah, I'm not going. I'm not 21. I'm not going in there trying to set me up or something. But then you understand the loyalty and the way that people, you know, really rally behind baseball here and, and know that it was well well meant and there was nothing ill meant by it. But, yeah, I mean, I mean all, I'll say this for all young Cardinals that come up, you're kind of like instant stardom and instant royalty because they pay attention to the minors, everybody knows who you are. So here you go from being, you know, just a, a little small kid from a small small town to being in a big city and everywhere you go, everybody knows who you are. So yeah, um, it was an absolute blast. I loved it. 
we get to the playoffs in 2000, you have a great season. Tell me a little bit about, because I, I don't know if you talked about it a lot mm-hmm. over the last, oh, I don't know, 10 years through the first decade. It seems like you've kind of made some, some headway, especially by the book and, and writing and kind of talking about that. How often have you thought about, you know, what happened in the playoffs, the, the wild pitches, and has it been more easy to talk about now that you're not playing and had some time to look back at it? Sure, because once I moved over to to be a position player, um, I, I didn't feel that it was fair to go back and talk about the pitching. Here I am trying to make a career as an outfielder and a hitter, and uh, to spend all that time that I had already spent on talking about it, those five years that I was working on the pitch and stuff, I just didn't feel it was fair to my position playing career. Um, but yeah, now going back, I think there, you know, and this is part of the book too, is 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 um, out of curiosity, not in a sad way, but just out of curiosity, like what, what did happen, and is there a way to help the next kid that goes through this kind of problem and stuff like that. Not only that, but I know there's going to come a time where, um, you know, my kids are going to want to know. And, um, you know, I, I think that's a, those are the, the biggest reasons in writing the book. And, um, you know, it's been a fun journey in looking back. So, Are we going to sell some books today? Is it something in the book where you finally figure it out? Or is it even still after writing the book where you go, <laughs> I don't know if I have figured it out? I could give you that answer, but I want to make you wait to read the book. You book writers, Joe Buck won't tell us why his vocal cord is uh, is broken. But uh, when you think about that that time, though, there was so many years of of trying to get back to it. And just tell me a little bit about just how hard that was, because you, you had the injuries, you had the things going on, and you had the super talent. You knew to me, it seemed like you didn't really get to see in those years, but it felt like you still didn't give up, and you, you still had this great feel about what was going on uh, the positivity i think is what mm-hmm. i'm trying to get yeah. is that true is it what you had or was it really were there dark times there there was definitely dark times ugly dark frustrating um you name it i think you know i've said this before in other places but it's the hardest thing that that you'll ever go through that i that i think anybody will ever go through um especially it was definitely the hardest thing that i ever went through personally you know, all of a sudden, as you say, I have this gift, and all of a sudden, it's not reliable. I can't trust it, and nobody can actually tell you what happened and what you know, or how to fix it. And and I wish, you know, at the time, you, you hope that there's just it's a bad dream, and you're going to wake up, or there's this magic pill or magic drink that you're going to drink, and it's all going to be over. But you know, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. But a um, lot of lot of dark times. Um, you know, and I gave it everything I had, and I made it back to the big leagues. And you know, for for me, you know, I, um, you know, at the time, um, you know, I could have been a, after I made it back, you know, I was somebody that could have helped a big league team win. Was I the pitcher that I was before it happened? No. Um, but nobody knows what those next 10 years would have looked like. I only knew that um, I didn't want to go through what it took for me to go out there and get it right every day. The curveball, though, you get a chance to throw it to me this spring at fantasy camp where teammates a lot down there. I know that's a big thrill for you. Uh, for me, it's definitely a thrill. But no, I did see you throw the curveball. You still have it. I mean, tell me a little bit about when did you realize that you had this this yacker, this twelve to six Uncle Charlie? I mean, I've I've read about it with you and your dad kind of mm-hmm. working over and over in Florida. Just tell me a little bit about how old were you when you finally realized, wow, this is a this is a special pitch. Yeah, well, I had a pitching coach when I was a freshman named Charlie Frazier uh, down in high school who really started to take it to that next level and got it better and then I went and played on the USA junior team um, and I had another pitching coach who who, his name was Bill Olson and he took it from being good to great Um, I think I met him my junior year on the on the national junior team and then uh, you know when I came back 
for my senior season, here I am in high school, and I had the same curveball I had in the big leagues as I had in high school because, you know, he took it to that next level. And I, and I think once those – I already threw hard from the left side. And once that happened, then, you know, I, the clear path was obvious that I'm going to be a pitcher and not a position player or the fastest routes of the big leagues anyway. Um, and then it became fun. I mean, it, it was almost like nobody could hit me. So um, why wouldn't it be fun? I would say, I mean, in the fastball, too. I mean, not right. only did you have, you had this 99, 95-mile-an-hour fastball. I just, it, to me, it was fun watching, and it, and it just, was it as fun as it looked when you were on the mound? Because, I mean, like, when we get through 2000, you have 175 strikeouts. You have some numbers that many rookies don't have in their first year. 194 strikeouts. Sorry, well, I gave you one there. There was a rainout. I think there was a rainout one night. Um, well, no. I can't believe I like that you know the numbers. Though. That's good. Well, because they've been brought up to me over and over, and I know that I broke Dizzy Dean's rookie record, so that's how I know that. But um, no, it was a lot of fun. I mean, as I talked about, just as in the first game, making it to the big leagues. Here I am on the path of I want to be in the big leagues, be the best pitcher that's ever pitched. Um, I, I think it was the talent spoke for itself. Uh, and one of the biggest things that I look back and think about was that the talent. Not only I was good enough to where I was up in the big leagues learning because I couldn't learn anymore at the AAA, AAA level. So it was like well, they needed to bring me up, and I was still learning here. So, I mean, if I was to ever, um, you know, I, I think there are times now when uh, I'd look back and say, man, I, just, I wonder what would happen if we had got to see 15 years of this, you know. Um, but it is what it is, and, and, uh, and here we are, and, and um, I'm as happy as I could be. The, the 2000 team, uh, I think of the hitters first because it was a hitting team. You think of Edmonds and McGuire, Renteria, and then you had the pitchers of Daryl Kyle and Matt Morris, who wasn't pitching then, but he was around. Pat Henkin. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about, I mean, that team was fun because, first of all, we watched 99 was not a yeah, great season. Right. We moved to 2000, and Walt makes this crazy move for Dave Veers and Vina, and he gets Edmonds in March. Just tell me about some of those players and just what it meant to have that kind of t- Will Clark comes in mm-hmm. later. The great, the thrill. Yeah, the I thrill. mean, literally the thrill, the thrill was playing here. Yeah. No, for me, I'm looking at all these guys that I've watched on TV as a child, and all of a sudden I'm teammates with them, and I'm, you know, I'm putting on the same uniform they are, and we're a part of the same team. Uh, it's, it's the most incredible feeling. I remember... Um, you know, as the season was as the season was coming down towards September, I kept thinking, "Man, I don't want this to end. I don't want to go home. This is the greatest thing ever." I'm young, and you know, I'm, you know, now too, I know how tiring it is. But it's funny because at that young age, it wasn't tiring. Um, it was just the greatest thing ever. I never wanted it to end. But to be able to get a chance to play with some of those guys, and as you said, you say McGuire and Will Clark and all these Edmonds and all these great, unbelievable players uh, moving to the pitching staff. Um, so thankful for Daryl Kyle in my career because as a young kid, he really took me under his wing and just you know, showed me what it was like to be a big leaguer and what it was like to pitch in the big leagues. I mean, this guy paid attention to every pitch, not only every pitch, in that, every pitch that he threw, but every pitch that you threw. And, you know, after games at dinner or whatever, we'd always talk about it. What were you thinking there and why would you do this? And this is what I would have done or this is what I saw. Um, great job here, great job there. So uh, what, a, what a blessing to have him on that team. And, um I'll be forever thankful. I was going to say, DK, when you saw um, the, the, the ceremony they had at the stadium mm-hmm. and all the teammates that came back, I don't think fans realize what a guy like that means to a team. I mean, everyone sees the curveball and sees the mm-hmm. 20 wins, but that's just that's just half of it. I mean, yeah. and baseball's so mental, too. Just right. give me a little bit about you kind of went into D, DK, but what it meant to come back and be part of that. Because you were here, I believe, right, mm-hmm. with Pete Hart. I came back. I was actually working on um, some things in the minor leagues, and I came back for the ceremony. But, um, you, you know, the, the, 
when you look back, it just it's just and you were around. I mean, the guy he he was so much fun. There was always so many games that were going on amongst the pitchers and the players, and and, and he was the lead dog on that, and just keeping everybody intertwined and and um, entertained. It was it was incredible. And then you talk about the ceremony that they had for him. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, you, you're talking about um, a lot of the teams that he played for before, and all these guys leaving the, their teams to come here for that and missing the missing their game that day. Um, you know, it was pretty incredible. We get to 05, and I think an incredible story. You you decide, hey, I just I think I've had enough of this. Right. I, tell me a little bit about what's going on in February, your mindset, and just how you finally say, basically, screw it. I just I just <laughs> don't want to do this anymore. Um, you know, I came back to the Billies in 04 um, in the bullpen and pitched out of the bullpen. And, and, and well, I, I, did, I remember yeah, I well. Right. Um, and that's why that's what people don't remember. I was I made it back. I don't, you know, you wore anyway. number forty nine, which seemed very odd. That was Steve Klein's number, but you wore forty nine. I think the idea was just to get rid of sixty six. Not that I'm that <laughs> superstitious, but let's go ahead and get rid of that for whatever reason. Um, you know, I went to winter ball that off season and just to gain innings and whatnot. And I was pitching over there and, and doing fine. And um, right towards Christmas, I had a nerve flare up in my elbow, so I came home with that. Um, and we skip forward to spring training, um, and here we are. I'm kind of dealing with these injuries that that popped up, and um, what it took for me to get it right every day. And and you know what I, I I've said this before. You know I had to do mental training from uh, the time I opened my eyes from to the time I went to bed. There's all these little mental drills that I do. So I I was never I wasn't myself anymore. My relationships with my family and my friends and all that was changing. And when I sat there and looked at that, and I was like, is this what my career is going to be for the next five, eight, ten years, whatever it's going to be, I don't know. Um, but I just thought, you know, I feel like my quality of life is really not, I don't think it's worth it anymore. I, and I just, that's what I got to. I, I just got to where I decided that I, you know, I needed to head a different direction. And, um, you know, that's when the outfield thing came about. And, you know, I'm so thankful that the Cardinals gave me the opportunity because back then it's like this crazy idea that nobody's even going to let you do it. You know what I mean? So I'm um, thankful for Walt and and um, in the front office and Tony and everybody giving me the opportunity to do it. And, um, you know, we fast forward through all that and all the hard work and everything paid off. Yeah, and that's the second part of the story. And I, you've told me this one before, but she so go home. And Scott Boris calls, mm -hmm. right? Your agent. And right. I'd like you to just kind of tell me a little bit about Scott because I think fans, again, think of this... Darth Vader. Darth Vader. The Darth Vader. He's going to just, you know, rape our teams. To give yeah. Everybody's going to take all the money in Scott. But uh, he's your guy, and he says to you, let's think about hitting. You know, let's call the Cardinals. and Tell me just so you okay. come home from pitching, yeah. and then Scott kind of called. Right? He's yeah. the one that set this up. Right? Because you hit... I think you kind of said, Base I'm done with baseball. Yeah, I'm done with baseball. So, um... You know, as I said, I, I don't, you know, back in those times, it's, you don't know, are they going to let you hit or whatever. Anyway, so uh, so I retire from pitching. Uh, I go home and, and um, of course, my phone's nonstop test messaging and phone calls and whatever. So Sorry about that. It's all right. So a few hours later, um, Scott calls and um, he says, hey, are you, you know, you ready to play again? And I'm like, what? He's like, are you ready to play again? I'm like, man, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, it, it was hard. The, the, the hardest thing in the world for me was to go in there and say that I, I just, you know, I can't do this anymore. That was really hard for me to do. I, I felt like, um, you, you know, I just felt like I was being a quitter, so to speak. And, and it was hard for me to look in the mirror and accept that. But at the same time, when you put everything together, just um, I knew it was the right decision. But so, um, <clears throat> so Scott calls and he asked me that. And I'm like, you know, what the hell are you talking about, right? So... Um, He's seeing dollar signs. It might, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. 
Um, He's maybe. always thinking bottom line. Listen, that's that's what he does. So. I see 30 home runs out of you, Hank. I, I don't <laughs> doubt it. I think the biggest question was, can I hit for the average? Um, and, uh, you know, he says, yes, in a short story, he asked me, am I ready to play again? And, um, you know, and he kind of explains to me, you know, I, I think, you know, why don't you go play outfield? And I'm like, what, man? You know, like. I just I just decided that I was going to give baseball. Am I really ready to fall back in love with it? Right. So um, I'm like, man, I got to think about this. I, I got to think about this. So I hang up, and you know, long story short, after a lot of you know, a few. Oh, phone we calls, got plenty of time here, Rick. You can start from the beginning. <clears throat> no. Okay. A few <laughs> phone calls, whatever. Let's just fast forward. Some time passes. Finally, I call him back. I say, all right, now, man. He's like, all right, let me call the Cardinals and make sure. Hey. And uh, what I. Uh, Anyway, so he calls back, says the Cardinals are in. Walt will be calling you. Walt calls me and says, hey, we're, we're on board. Um, show up tomorrow. You're an outfielder. There you go. I show up the next day. said, Mr. Edmonds, you mind if I borrow a glove? He's like, no problem, buddy. Here you go. How was Jim Edmonds for you? I mean, that has to, I mean, the way you, like we saw, talked about 2000, but I know you guys are still pretty good friends. Just tell me a little bit about what, what his relationship has meant to you. Uh, a, a tremendous amount. And, and uh, you know, the thing about Jimmy is even when I was a pitcher, and, and you know, probably you too, when you're watching, you, you just learn by watching. It's not always about somebody coming to you and telling you something, but when you watch somebody play over and over, you start to learn what they're doing and understanding what they're doing. And then when I switched over, getting a chance to talk to him about how to play how to play guys and certain guys and where and why and what counts and what to be ready for, what to look for. Uh, just a tremendous advantage for me moving forward to that outfield role. And, um, you know, everything worked out. I said I wasn't going to ask about the throws. Have to ask about them because right. people love this. But you told a good story that maybe that no one saw during rain delay coverage over and over again. But I've used that during rain delay coverage. Okay. But the great, you, you make the great throws. Give me a little bit about each throw. Uh, just how the, everything that went into that night. We're in Colorado. The one is incredible. Yep. So the one. Okay. So go, let's go through both of them because I know there's a story yeah. about Tony at the end. All right. So um, Willie Tavares is the first one we have a runner on first and second with one out. Um, fly ball to deep center, and in that situation, normally you would throw it to second to keep the runner to get into scoring position, right? Never take a chance at throwing them out at third, because if you don't, now you got two runners in scoring position. Um, so anyway, it gets hit. It's Willie Tavares, who's one of the fastest guys in the league, and I get back on it, and I don't know why. I just had just one of those gut feelings. I'm like, I, I got him. Like I, I got him. I don't care. I got him. So I take it and fling it over there. Um, and sure enough, I get him, and he's out. And then, and then um, you know, one, it was one of the greatest throws of my career at that point. Um, now we fast forward to later in the innings, and um, Quint Nia hits a triple into the left center left center field gap. And, um, you know, there's nobody on base, so this throw doesn't matter. I can throw the crap out of it. There's nobody else on base. It really doesn't matter. So I get out there to it, and I pick it up, and I'm thinking, why the heck not? And I turn around, and I throw this thing as hard as I possibly can, right? As quick as you can, you try to dial in your sights and just let it fly. Well, I let it fly, and now you're like me. I'm angling the runner and the ball at the same time, and I'm thinking, all right, I got a shot. Like, okay, this is getting really good now. Okay, all right, now I really got a chance. So when Gloss caught it and he um, catches it and tags him out, you know, it was it was, it was incredible. I, I don't know if I've ever felt so much excitement. And, you know, I've, I've said this before, I wish I would have shot some air guns or something, you know, but I just ran in and, like, Johnny Cool Guy. But, um, so we get in, and later on after the game, Tony um, – after the high fives and everything else, Tony comes up to me and he's like, hey, <clears throat> on that first play with the runner on first and second, that was a great throw, but don't ever effing do it again. <laughs> so um, kind of said it jokingly, but I think we all know Tony. I, don't, I think there was maybe a not a joke in there. Um, but 
Oh, fun and games. We, Tony was uh, your manager twice as a, as a pitcher and a player. Mm-hmm. Um, we know when you came back that first day, there's a shot of your home run going out. I know that's a big, big deal. I'd mm-hmm. like to ask about that. But just the fact when you see the reaction of your bench, your teammates, and, and Tony, who I think felt relieved maybe to see yeah. that you're coming back and, and doing these things as a hitter. I think so. Um, yeah, what an incredible, uh, you know, if I was to sit down and write a script, I don't think I could have wrote it any better. You know, when I hit that home run, I couldn't even, you know, I hit it and same thing. I knew I had a chance. Um, and then I knew I, I got it good enough to know, like, all right, that's probably a home run. So, uh, you know, when I started to run the bases, I couldn't even, once it went out, I couldn't even feel my legs. I, I felt like I floated around the bases on a magic carpet. Um, most incredible feeling I, I think I've ever had on a baseball field, uh, especially when you put everything that went into coming back and, and um and just being back and in St. Louis and, and everything that came with it, um, just an incredible, incredible moment. And you had some big, big moment. You had a walk-off hit against the Cubs. You ran through a wall, hurt yourself. But <laughs> can you believe, I mean, now that we're kind of past the time, um, you know, how good it did go for you? Yeah. Because, it, you know, it was a uh, – let's try this. Let's just – and it went very well here. Right. Um, you know, I, I, and that's the thing, you know, it's, there were so many naysayers, but I think the people that were closest to me and, and including the organization knew that, that this, that there was a chance that this was going to work. Um, but it, I, I just remember thinking even people that had been in baseball for a long time, it, you know, you, you get that feeling, the look on their face, like, yeah, right. Good luck with that kid. Good <laughs> luck with that. So, um, you know, it really just fueled my fire as far as like, yeah, all right, well then watch this, you know, watch me. And, and off I went. But um, what a tremendous, it just, you know, when I got to the field that next day, I just felt like a weight had been taken off my shoulders. And but I mean, by the next day of when I switched to hit. Um, and baseball became fun again. And that, and that's really what it was. And then I just busted my butt just nonstop to, to get where I went. But, you know, that was all said and done is something that I'm very proud of. And, um, you know, I wouldn't change it. I just remember kind of watching people at that time kind of walk around on eggshells, you know, oh, I don't want to talk to Rick about the old stuff, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I felt like you were very grounded and didn't really, you're like, hey, go ahead, ask, whatever you, you know, I, and I, I'm curious if that's how you kind of came back and just said, Wh- whatever. I mean, I, I did it. That's old. I'm a hitter now, whatever. Right. I mean, it, to me, it would be like, no, I don't want to talk about it. Right. But you seem like you didn't, it never really, you, you, grounded is the word I'd use because, right. like I said, being 19 and being up here, I don't think I, I couldn't have done it. There's no chance. There's just no way. I don't know how you did it. So tell me a little bit about that. Ah. Just being the grounded and not and not letting that, that affect you. You mean the, the second time? The second, yeah. Second, just um, you know, I, and I, I think I made a statement early on, and I would just try to say it as cordial as possible. Like, look, it, you know, I, that's old news. We talked about it for those five years when I did it. Now I'm here as a hitter. If you'd like to talk about hitting or positioning or something in the game that happened, no problem. Um, and as I mentioned before, I just you know, I, it wasn't fair to me. To here I am trying to focus on being that position player and, and that new switch and everything that's going on and all the attention that was coming. I just didn't think it was fair for me to have to go back and talk about it. We're winding down. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your time as always. You're, you're great. Life skills coordinator with the Nats last year. Just give me a little bit about how that even came about. Um, I, like the, the more I know about you, the more I think perfect job for this guy. I mean, he's, he's, he'd be perfect for this because he's obviously seen it all done and all. Tell me a little bit about how that went for you. Was it fun? Did you enjoy it? Do you see maybe that being something you do later? Give me everything about that. Um, I did enjoy it. You know, I was on the, I was actually at a Cardinal Nationals game, spring training game the year after I retired, um, the very next year after I retired. And one of the, you know, Nationals front office walked up and said, I would, 
I'd love to have you do this job for us, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I said, you know what, it sounds great. I, I'm definitely interested, but give me a year to go spend with the family and, and enjoy my time at home. Um, once that year was over... Um, you needed to get out of the house. Yeah, we know how this works. You need to get out of the house, but, you know, I, it's exactly. You, you know, you, you play baseball every day for 16 years, and then all of a sudden it's like you have nothing to do. It's almost like you feel no self-worth. But, uh, you know, I, the more I thought about it... Um, you know, Harvey Dorfman was one of the biggest influences on my career as I went through the pitching stuff and just even as a person growing up and maturing. Um, so I thought to myself, if I can channel my inner Harvey Dorfman, you know, then I have a lot to offer these kids. And I certainly have been through the struggles and the ups and downs. And, you know, you mentioned that um, with having a pitcher and a hitter, I've seen it both sides and I've done both sides and I've done them both in the big leagues. And there's nobody else that can say that. So, you know, with, when you mix all that up, um, I definitely had a lot to offer the kids. And I did like it. I did like it. You know, it was fun. It was enjoyable. Um, you know, there's a definite need for it. I think especially now kids are making it to the big leagues younger and younger. And there's just, you know, it is a there is a big mental side of the game. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, with that being said, moving to this year, you know, I, I wanted to try – um, TV. I think I want to try try everything before you get locked in one avenue. It's definitely possible that I that I move um, that I try that later on. But I, I think you can accomplish some of that from TV also, and we reach a wider audience. You know, you can have give your perspective on what you see, and uh, more people will be able to see it. You did mention Harvey Dorfman. I do want to ask about that relationship. When, when did that start? And just kind of tell me if you can sort of the things he did for you. Uh, Exercise, mental exercises. It sounded like that's who you were working with once you got right. up to 05. Um, oh, man, there's so much. We don't have enough time for that. It'll but, be in uh, the book, I'm sure. Of course. Okay. Uh, you know, he was my sports psychologist. And, um, you know, in, in more ways than that, uh, that's how it started. But, you know, later on down the road, he became the father that I didn't have. And, um, you know, I, I can't thank him enough for the, the lessons that I was taught. And, um about everything, about life in general, not just about being a baseball player, but about everything. So um, I owe a lot to him and uh, so thankful to have him in my life. And we talked about Montreal. We saw your family there. Is, is the family around or how does that work for you now in Florida? Uh, yeah, my mom's around. Um, you know, she, she lives down there in Jupiter with us. She gets a chance to see the kids and, um, you know, that's what it is. I don't speak to my father. We kind of moved on as far as relationship wife goes, but uh you know, it, it's fun to be able to watch my mom, you know, see the grandkids and uh, get a chance to be around them quite a bit. It's it's a real pleasure. Sports psychologist, 2015 TV star, 2016, 2017 book writer, movie. What what's what's? Give me the next five years for Ricky and Keel if you can, if the if you want to, if maybe hey, this is what I'm doing, and we work <laughs> we'll work on today, get through the pregame, and hopefully it goes from there. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, for me, it's always easier to take it day by day. Um, the book is the first step. You know, I wanted to make sure, I, you know, I got approached about being a, um, doing a movie when I was still in uniform as soon as I hit that home run, but I just felt that it would be really strange to be in uniform and have a movie at the box office. Uh, I just felt like it not only be a distraction for me, but possibly my teammates, and I didn't want the attention like that. Um, but now that I've moved past playing and um, here we are, I felt the the – the bet in doing research and everything, I felt the best step would be to write a book, and then everything is out there in my words. And if there is a movie script written and they make a movie, great. Um, you know, but the reason to do a book first is that Hollywood does what they do, and sometimes Hollywood eyes things, and you don't want to be caught at the end saying, "Wait, that ain't what happened." But it, so at least my transcript, my book's out there. I said 
what I had to say in my words. And if they do, they do great. And if not, it is what it is. And do you play yourself? Who plays you? Have you got anybody in mind? Um, They just need to be athletic. If they're corny, I'm out. Like, no way. I don't want to do it. As long as they're athletic, um, you know, and, and they can make the, the baseball player stuff look real versus corny, um, I'm okay with it. Really appreciate your time. We had this was very fun. Did you enjoy? I I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. It's fun. This is always fun. Catch up with Ricky and Keel on Baseball and Beyond. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for subscribing and listening. <laughs>